The presence of the Lord is here. The presence of the Lord is here. I feel it in the atmosphere. The presence of the Lord is here. Oh my, the presence of the Lord is here. Fountain Gate Chapel presents Wind of Love with Eastwood Anaba. Wind of Love will usher you into the full liberty of the presence of God. Wind of Love comes your way from Monday to Saturday, 11.30 to 12 noon. Eastwood Anaba is a pastor, a teacher, an author, a conference speaker, and an anointed minister of the Word of God. The teaching ministry of Eastwood Anaba combines intense spirituality and sound teaching of the Word of God. Join us on Wind of Love here on Sunny 88.7 FM. Today, I'm, I'm going to be preaching something that is very dear to my heart. I call it obtaining God's message. Everybody shout mercy. Listen, what, what we need in life is just mercy. I know people talk about how they can pray. Some talk about how holy they are. Some talk about how righteous they are. You hear somebody say, and I came and saw the seed. And God blessed me because of the seed. Man. But for the mercy of God, that seed you sowed, you would have died like Ananias and Sapphira. Ananias and Sapphira, it's not like they didn't sow. They sowed by the wrong seed. Bam! Dead. You remember that man called Cain? He took the offering, but still, God rejected him. I don't know where you will be without the mercy of God. I looked at life, I put one or two things together and I just concluded the whole thing is summed up in mercy. And during the Jubilee, if you were owing and you couldn't pay and they took your property or you yourself went into slavery, unconditional release. And the Jubilee was the time when people, they experienced the profuse mercy of God. God just gave them mercy and the goodness of God was just rolled out to them and God just said, just enjoy your life. And, and poor people had the opportunity to go back to their possession, go back to their families. It was a wonderful time. Now, in the gospel, every day is a jubilee. Before Christ died, he screamed, he said, it is finished. That, that means everything about the gospel, Jesus dying, being buried, rising from the dead, all of it just signified, signaled the fact that it is finished and that this is your jubilee and your freedom has come god has given you all things to enjoy you are going to walk about in freedom and in liberty and um, so the gospel just gives us a package and in and, and that package included um enjoying the mercies of god it's very sad to see believers that are not enjoying the mercies of god we we believe in works so much that when God extends mercy to us, we can't receive it. So people are walking about and God says, your sins are forgiven. They say, I don't believe it. He says, the bondage is broken. They still generate, they still invent generational curses and put it upon themselves. And you see them from one camp, prayer camp to another, breaking generational curses, which look like they will never be broken. I come from one of the most idolatrous families you can ever think about. 
But I got born again. My father got born again. We got saved. We got delivered. And I believe that the blood of Jesus Christ, the day I got born again, I got delivered. And I raised up my hand and I said, no more idols for myself or for my parents, my family. I believe generational cases were broken. My father died um, some few years ago. And during his funeral, no idol worshiper appeared to claim his body. And that is because he had broken all ties with them. So I believe I'm leading a family which has no generational curses because we have broken them. The next thing they are looking up to is generational blessing because I have started the line of blessing, a lineage of blessing, and I'm going to leave a future and a legacy of blessing. And somebody is under the sound of my voice. The curse you think you have, you don't have it. Because when Jesus said, it is finished, it is finished. But look at you, you can't receive the mercy of God. You just keep manufacturing all these sicknesses and all these curses and, and all these setbacks. And you, you, there's something in my background, I have to deal with it. But I see the most important thing in your background, Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. And he said it is finished, spoiled principalities and powers, broke the chains of death and hell and sin and set you free. And if you don't believe that, then Christ died in vain. So the Bible said in Hebrews 4, 16, Let us therefore come boldly. I like that word. Come boldly. That means don't come with hesitation. Don't come lacking confidence. Come boldly. Because sometimes you can look at your background and look at all the things around you. Like you, you, you remember this woman who was approaching Jesus for, for, for healing. And the Bible said she came from behind him and she touched the hem of his garment. That is how not to come boldly. She shouldn't have done that. Some stood right in front of him and they said, Jesus, heal us. This woman didn't come boldly. She came from behind him. She touched the hem of his garment. Who wants to be touching the hem of his garment when he says, come boldly and he will lay his hands on you? The one who came boldly said, I have come. Come and put my hand. Put your hand on me and set me free. Huh. Look at even lepers. From afar, they started crying boldly. But the woman came from behind him. Touch him. And even after being healed, when Jesus said, who touched me? She had no boldness to own up. Until finally, shaking, shaking, she said, sir, sir, sir. She became a stammerer. Sir, sir, I am... We are supposed to approach the throne boldly. Today, anything you are receiving from God, receive it boldly. Last time I told you about entitlement. Oh, you deserve the for you, you, you. God has given you the forgiveness, He's giving you the healing, He's giving you the deliverance, He's giving you the spiritual empowerment. Just receive it. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So you come boldly to the throne and then you find grace, you obtain mercy. When you find grace, that means mercy and grace, they operate together. Anybody who doesn't understand the grace of God cannot obtain the mercy of God because you will always be in works. And I've seen people, they are trying to do things. 
They, they are fasting to do things. They are praying to do things. But, so I believe in fasting and prayer. But, you see, the mercy of God is bigger than your fasting and your prayer. The mercy of God is bigger than your seed. The mercy of God is bigger than your long prayer. The mercy of God is even bigger than your righteousness and your holiness. Because there are times you slip up and it is the mercy of God that keeps you. And I see Christians say, eh, I can't forgive myself. I cannot believe that me of all people, I did this. Who are you of all people? One of the least of all people. <laughs> Look at men like David, the man after God's own heart. Look at the things that happened to him. But it's the mercy of God that keeps us. Mercy. 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 And I noticed that the, what, the thing that doesn't make people experience the mercy of God is the way the devil plays on their mind. Oh, Satan uses the brain as football. He uses our brains as football. Um, I, I have lived the Christian life from 1980. I think one of my biggest blessings is that Satan finds it difficult to play with my mind. No, my mind is like, it's like Osha Fort. The, the walls are thick. The devil can't enter. Mba. No, no, no. Satan doesn't confuse my mind easily. And that's because the mind is entrenched in the word of God. The mind is entrenched in the word. Listen, I have soaked my mind with the word so much that Satan has no pass to enter it. Your mind must be impregnable. Said that the devil can enter. He employs many schemes, devices to stop us from obtaining mercy. And very soon you will understand some of the schemes. The Bible said in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and the verse number 11. He said, lest Satan should get an advantage of us for we are not ignorant of his devices. Lest Satan should get an advantage. Oh boy. So in the, the world in which you live. You are not just dealing with human beings and structures and systems and money. You are dealing with Satan himself. Satan. Somebody should understand that what you are dealing with now may look like an employment problem, but Satan is involved. It may look like a health situation, but Satan is involved. It may be like a ministry problem, but Satan is involved. It may be like an academic problem, but Satan is involved. The Bible said concerning King David, he said, and Satan moved David to number the people. Just numbering people, Satan was interested in that numbering. Just numbering people. The devil is involved. I have seen people, oh, and I Satan and I control. Your marriage, that marriage situation you are dealing with, Satan has come into it. Let Satan should get an advantage over us. And that word advantage, it means to overreach and it means to have more to overreach to have more that means satan is having more of you he's having more of the situation 
So in that situation you are dealing with, the devil has advantage of you means the devil has more than you have. So whatever is going on, he will end up with more money. He will end up with more influence. He will end up with more power. He will end up with more space to operate, more territory to operate, and you are squeezing to the corner. And then to overreach, that means the devil has got his hand can reach more than your hand so if i put 10 ghana cities here and the devil overreaches me it means that the devil will take the 10 ghana and i will not get to the 10 ghana so the devil always wants to have advantage he wants to take your ministry he, he wants to take your life he wants to take your family he wants to take your food your your land your house and I've seen many people, and they're in this situation, and you are talking to them, and they're like, yeah, I'm in control of myself. I, I am in charge of my family. And this, is, this is my house. This is my business. This is my ministry. And I do what I want to do. And I'm like, you, you know what? Something has taken over your mind. And when you are going through crisis, and the devil seizes your mind, you are finished. So I normally advise people, when you go through crisis and you realize you are too stressed out borrow somebody's brain when the crisis are over return the brain to the person that means you want to tell the person you know what i cannot trust my own brain and my own feelings at this time take over use your brain and your emotions to think for me and whatever you tell me to do that is what i will do that is how sometimes in the olden days the marriages worked better because when you were in crisis in a marriage where your father told you to sit that is where you sit you must put your emotions aside and sit down and listen these days even in our churches it is not like that what they want to do is what they would do until they destroy themselves and after they've destroyed themselves they now look for scapegoats to blame and this person did that to me and that one did that to me and that one did that to me so he said unless satan should get an advantage over us and he said because we are not ignorant of his devices and that word devices means schemes i like that schemes but you see when you read it as devices or schemes you don't understand it like when you read the other words that go with what it means it also means perceptions and it means thoughts and it means intellect so everything about the devil's schemes everything about the devil's schemes and devices is about perceptions thoughts and intellect it means people if your mind is correct your christian life is guaranteed so the Bible said, blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of mockers, but his, delight in his, but his delight is in his law, and in his law does he meditate day and night. That means he meditates on the word, and meditates on the word, and meditates on the word, until his mind is the mind of Christ. So Paul now says, I have the mind of Christ. And then he also said, let this mind be in you. When you cultivate that mind of Christ and that mind is in you, I tell you, Satan has lost the battle over your life forever. Forever he's lost the battle. But if he comes in your mind and plays games, hmm, plays games, 
Tells you you have to commit the suicide. You have to kill yourself. Tells you nobody loves you. Then you are like, it's true. Then he tells you, don't you know God has dealt very unfairly with you? Then you are like, yeah, 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 it's true. So everything about whatever is going on in your life now is a game in your mind. The devil is playing with your mind. The first time he came into the Garden of Eden to come and deal with Adam and Eve, it was about the mind. He said, look at this fruit. The day you eat it, you become wise, knowing the difference between good and evil. He asked the woman, has God indeed really said? Eve got into a conversation she did not have the capacity to handle. The mind. Then Jesus is in the wilderness, fasting 40 days and 40 nights. The Bible said, after the fast, he was hungry. And Satan came again. Mind games. Command this stone to become bread. Then he pulled out the scripture. Took him somewhere. He said, look at the glories of this world. Bow down. Worship me. I will give them to you. Took him to another place. Cast yourself down. Angels will take care of you. Take charge of you. And all of it, Jesus will say, it is written. It is written. It is written. The fortification of your mind is in the amount of word you have soaked into that mind. The amount of word you have put in your mind. The amount of word you put in your spirit. So I want to encourage you people. You want to make sure that your mind is settled. Strong in the word. Uh, so that in terms of your perceptions, your intellect, your thoughts, the enemy cannot take advantage over you. Now in the Bible... There is a woman who went through all kinds of stuff and um, her name is Naomi and God tried to reach out to Naomi and, 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 and give her mercy but this woman's mind didn't help her at all because whenever you go through crisis what the devil does in the midst of the crisis is to steal your mind now he's just looking for your mind once he captures your mind you are finished and um, there are some devices or some thoughts or some perceptions or some intellects against the mind and i'll be looking at three of them today three devices against mercy three schemes against mercy three thoughts against mercy three emotional dispositions against mercy one of them is inconsolability the other one is ingratitude and the third one is indictment and all these three can be found in naomi's life i don't know it took some super super mercy of god super mercy of god that depended on god's own original intent of the fact that because there should be no male there should be no gentile nor jew in christ god determined at a certain point that boaz jesus jesse's father jesse david's father must have their root from the moabites so he made a moabites come together with a jewish man called boaz to produce that man called Obed and Obed produced Jesse and Jesse produced David so God is saying there is neither Jew nor Greek Gentile nor, nor Jew now it had to take that super plan of God for God to ignore all of Naomi's nonsense but since Jesus has been born already in your case 
God does not need a Messiah to come from your family. So if you do carelessness, like, like Naomi, God may just take you and throw you away. In the case of Naomi, it was not just mercy. It was super mercy. You are not permitted to get all these three things wrong. Because in, in your case, uh, you are not Boaz. And you are not going to produce any Jesse. You are not going to produce any David. Okay. Now we look in the life of um, Naomi and we see how to receive the mercy of God. We will look at the negativity she had in life and you and I will discover how we can receive the mercy of God. Now, so Naomi goes into Moab, the land of the Moabites. She had a husband, Elimelech. They had two sons, Malon and Chilion. And these ones married wives, Opa and Ruth. And before Opa and Ruth could have children with these two young men, the young men died and their father died. And Naomi is left with um, her two daughters-in-law. Finally, she told them, I've heard that the barley harvest in Israel is coming and God has given Israel bread. So I want to go back home. And the Bible said that the two daughters-in-law said, we are going to go with you. And Naomi said, no, um, you guys go back to your people because I'm old and I, I don't have any husbands for you to marry. And even if I produce children today, how are you going to wait until they grow up before you marry them? So both of you just go back to your people. Opa kissed her mother-in-law goodbye and left. And then Ruth said, you know, I'm going with you. Where you go, I will go. Your people will be my people. And then where you die, I will die. And there also I'll be buried. And your God will be my God. So Ruth followed the, 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 the mother-in-law. And they came into the land of Israel. When they came, some plans. When they came, the Bible said that in, in Ruth chapter 1 and the verse number 19, the Bible says, so the two of them went until they came to Bethlehem. I like that. I like that. The two of them went until they came to Bethlehem. Bethlehem is a very popular, very powerful place, you know. Jesus born in Bethlehem and all that. And it came to pass, when they were come to Bethlehem, that all the city was moved about them. That means the whole city was stirred up. This is a widow, a poor woman. She has come and there is a whole stirring of the city. And they said, is this Naomi? They looked at this and said, Naomi, we haven't seen you for years. Where have you been? Everybody is eager to open a door for Naomi. Everybody is busy trying to get a cup of water for Naomi. Everybody is excited about Naomi. I can imagine the number who, was hugged, who were hugging her with a social distance. People were shaking her hands without um, COVID protocols. Everybody was just around Naomi and everybody, is this Naomi? Is this Naomi? Is this Naomi? You know, when God shows you mercy, you can appear and people are asking, did you just come from London? Did you just come from America? And you're like, no, I've been in Boga. And they're like, wow, you've changed. And I've seen many people, even while you are busy telling them they change, while you are busy telling them they look good, while you are busy telling them you look like somebody coming from America, they say, you are laughing at me. You are laughing at me. You know, you can doubt the goodness of God so much. You meet many people and tell them, oh, you look beautiful today. They say, oh, Sremio, you are laughing at me. You tell them, look, you know, you know, you are a blessed man. They say, oh, 
call this poverty. You tell them today you look very fit. They say, oh, from the crown of my head to the soles of my feet is only sickness. They cannot receive any compliment. So the people have come there saying, is this Naomi? That word Naomi means pleasantness. It means something that is agreeable, something that is nice, something that is sweet, something that is delicious, something that is beautiful, something that has splendor. That is the meaning of Naomi. So is this pleasantness, is this splendor, is this beauty, is this goodness? Naomi, you look so great. The whole city is stirred up because of Naomi. Everybody's running and they say, Naomi Kulmina, Naomi Kulmina. Pleasantness has come home. Agreeableness has come home. Delight has come home. Suitability has come home. Grace has come home. Beauty has come home. Splendor has come home. Is this Naomi? But the devil has sat on Naomi's mind and hijacked it. So look at their response. All these people were wasting their time welcoming her and saying, Naomi, you are a blessed woman, Naomi. Now look at Naomi's nonsense. And Naomi said unto them, call me not Naomi. Don't call me pleasant. Don't call me splendor. Don't call me grace. Don't call me mercy. Don't call me agreeable. Don't call me something that is beautiful. Don't call me something that has splendor. But call me Mara. She has renamed herself. I don't want to be called Naomi. I want to be called Mara. For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. This woman is inconsolable. You can't console her. She's saying what I've gone through. Nothing can change it. I've seen so much. People go to prison and come. And they cannot change. They say no. I, I am an ex-convict. When you ask them, you say, what is your name? They say, ex-convict. You ask them, did you ever hear of all things are passed away? Behold, all things are become new. They say, yeah, but I'm an ex-convict. And a leopard cannot change his spots. My goodness, leopard cannot change his spot. Are you sure? Are you sure if you were to kill a leopard right now? Take the skin. Shave off all the, the fur. The spots will not go. When God made you a new creature, he did not put ink on your skin. He changed you into a brand new creature. So you are not even a leopard anymore. He has changed you into something else. That is what God, that is how God has blessed you. He said, don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. And the word Mara means to be bitter. It means discontented. And there are a lot of bitter human beings in the world. Very discontented people. They are not happy with anything. You cannot console them. You can't make them happy. No. You can't. You can't. You can't. You know what? Sometimes you should just make yourself happy. stand in front of the mirror and you look at yourself and you don't like it too much because of gray hair get a colorful shirt get a shirt with color make yourself happy when you are walking about you are feeling you are feeling dull 
and the day is looking some way tell devil wait for me i'm coming go and look for your tallest and your highest high heel step on it and just give the devil some steps am i talking to somebody at all you have you have allowed the devil to, no you've allowed him for too long but it is about time somebody broke some traditions and broke some chains people put on your life and tell yourself i demand my happiness i deserve it god has given me mercy sometimes sometimes you go through some crisis and, and, and the devil is just the devil believes that is the end of you and you too you use your words you use your thoughts and you agree with the devil inconsolable don't call me naomi don't call me pleasant don't call me delight don't call me splendor don't call me agreeable don't call me grace don't call me beauty don't call me suitability call me mara bitterness and there are people who like these um, negative things thank you for listening to wind of love with eastwood anaba for prayer and counseling please call eastwood anaba ministries on 0302-734-157 and fountain gate chapel empowerment pastures on 0302-912-752 or visit www.eastwoodanaba.com until eastwood anaba comes your way same time tomorrow stay blessed with lots of love